everyone, I'm Ari Meglin and this is the Murder Writer Podcast. We are on episode 114 and this week's question is, how do you approach writing fantasy? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoy the episode, please do give it a like, write a review and share it with friends. Okay, so in regards to hosting, I am flying solo as Rachel is sadly unwell and we do wish her a fast recovery. However, I am not completely alone as I am joined by my guest, author I.L. Cruz. Evia, thank you so much for joining me. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about talking about this topic. Brilliant. I think I'm also a fantasy writer, so it's like really exciting to talk to another fantasy writer about it. It's rare when I get to talk to other fantasy writers. Usually, end up talking to people who write either nonfiction or slice of life kind of things. Yes. And then they look at you like, "Oh, so yours is about monsters and dragons and things?" Like, well, no, but it could be. And that would be fine because we love monsters and dragons. Okay, would you like to tell us a little bit about your writing background? Like, how long you've been writing? When did you start? Just something like that. Well, I started writing recently, actually, I guess about 13, 14 years ago, but I think I've been writing forever. I started as a reader. I think most of us read a lot. And I was a voracious reader, still am. Since I was three, I've been reading. And I got to that point where, you know, you get into a rut of reading because you're looking for this specific book with these specific characters and the specific plot, and you're not finding it anywhere. So then you make that big decision. It's like, you know what? I'm going to fill that spot, I think. And I'm going to write it myself. And I did it. And I didn't even think about it. I just started writing. And then one day I said to myself, wow, I think this is what I want to do with my life. I mean, I had a job and I had other things going on, but I said, no, I think this is going to be it. And the biggest surprise was that I told very slowly, (laughs) I told friends and family and I told my mom says, I think I'm going to be a writer. She says, oh yeah, I figured that was going to happen. I was like, excuse me. And she says, Well, the only way I could coax you out of the house to go clothes shopping was if I promised you a trip to the bookstore and you would always buy novels and journals. So I figured you were going to be a writer. And I was like, what? So that's, that's kind of my story. I love that. I love the idea of being bribed with a bookstore and and buying journals. Why did my family not do that? I would have loved that. (laughs) It was the only way to get me to buy clothes. Like, I don't like clothes, but if you tell me I can buy the next Judy Bloom, I'm out. (laughs) it was great that you actually got support from family because I know some people with family it's very much a it's a phase that's not a real job why are you wasting your time so I think it's lovely that That was me I was saying that to myself real profession this is and it was weird because I spend so much time reading like of course this is a profession other people have written books for you so why wouldn't you think this is a profession I was like but it's not helping the world you know I'm not saving whales or defending human rights violations I'm writing a novel but there's a place for that exactly exactly and some of those novels can have themes in there that can trigger ideas and activism within people so yeah it's very important is writing (laughs) it took me a while to get to that place where I said okay this is a worthwhile pursuit and I think after these past years we've all been stuck at home and needed times to just escape that's when I was like you know what writers are heroes too yeah because they give us that moment to just breathe and say I'm not here anymore. I'm in Narnia. I'm in the south of France. I'm wherever it is I want to be. And I don't have to think about anything except this journey that I'm going on with this writer. And there's value in that. Yes. I think that's why it took me so long to tell people, I'm a writer. I was like, I would just say it cringy. I was like, I'm a writer? (laughs) (laughs) Almost like apologizing for it. I'm so sorry. I happen to be a writer. (laughs) Now I just say, I'm a writer. Yes, I write books. (laughs) declarative that's it though it's like as I said we've been through this pandemic we've been trapped at home we've been struggling with it all and it's like you couldn't turn on the news without seeing it It, you know the (sighs) the awful things that were happening around the world and even if you didn't there just seemed to be updates popping up everywhere and even if you went on social media it was just doom and gloom and you kind of ended up doom scrolling so having books and buying books and just vanishing into these worlds completely seriously saved me through the pandemic yes it kept me sane it kept me really sane and I'm I'm grateful to the people who were able to write during the pandemic I did my writing did not come out so well during the pandemic 
but I'm coming back from that, which I feel really good about. Oh, that's good. That's good. I think there was this idea that we all suddenly had so much more time because we weren't commuting and everything like that. And some people obviously <laughs> were time. I know, right? <laughs> I missed that memo. Nobody gave me any yeah. extra time. But, but like people were on furloughs, so they weren't, they weren't working. And obviously some people were just like charging ahead and writing novels and it was brilliant. Right. Some of us were not doing that. Some of us just <laughs> sank into the darkness and it just did not come. The words didn't come. The time that we supposedly had wasn't there. So. No, it was not. I mean, I wrote, but I looked at it and I said, oh my God, I don't even know who wrote this. My editor, when I sent her my novel, she said, what is this? And she's always so very polite about everything. She says, I don't want to be mean, but what is this? Like, this is the next novel. She says, this doesn't even sound like you. Who is this? So I'm sorry. I don't even know what I wrote. I just said to myself, six pages a day, six pages a day. And I did it. And that felt like a victory. But I know that none of that would get published. It was terrible. Terrible six pages every day. But that's good, though. You still had the habit. You had the consistency, even if it's just like trite that comes out. At least you're writing. I mean, I didn't even have that. I wasn't even producing anything to be bad. It was just like I just kept thinking about writing. And then being swept away with other things. That's work too. That's work too. <laughs> it's work. I, I like I to say that. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be I'd never be doing anything if I wasn't if it wasn't the fact that thinking about it and, and like brainstorming all the time. But <laughs> anyway, okay, let's dive into the topic, which is obviously writing fantasy. So let's yes. start with a, a simple question. I think is it? I don't know. What are the characteristics of a fantasy story in your eyes? I would have to say it's world building, a magical system, and a quest. And all of those can be as big or as little as you need them to be. I remember reading a novel, a fantasy novel, where the quest was literally trying to figure out the best solution for building a gingerbread house using actual gingerbread. That was the quest. And it sounds daft, but I read it. It was a great book. But that was a great quest. How do I make the perfect gingerbread house with actual gingerbread that won't sag under pressure, that will still hold on to shingles, and that can contain human-sized people? Wow. That was the quest. <laughs> Why not? That's different. I've never read anything even remotely like that. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was a good book. I think you're right, definitely with world building. I think that's one of the reasons I was always drawn to fantasy. And obviously, I appreciate there are lots of different fantasies, but I love ones where you built the world mm. completely. I love that. I liked the idea of having different lands and different peoples and different animals. And like, I don't know, maybe it's because I, I did used to play one or two of those games when I was younger, where it was like, you know, you build your own theme park and you build your own hospital and you drop yes. them in and you'd be like, and they'd be like, oh no, there's, you know, no route, no one to maintain the roller coasters and, and everything. And you're like, <laughs> oh no, we need maintenance. And you'd be constantly like reacting and, and working with the system. And I always thought when I did world building, it was the same thing. It's like, damn, how, how do they get from one side of the world to the other? Do I just use horses? <laughs> do I use flying ships? Do I have like a special portal? And there's always more things to answer. I know. I, I got to tell you, world building was the hardest thing for me when I first started. I tend to speak in a very concise manner. I get to the point. So world building is the opposite of that. It is taking your time and looking around and kind of doing a travelogue of a place that you're trying to introduce other people to. I always thought, well, I'll just say castle. They know what a castle is. And then my editor would say, you have to describe this castle. <laughs> it has to be visual for some people and that was the hardest part but now it's sort of my favorite part no I take that back my favorite part is still the magical system I love figuring out magical systems but world building is a close second I have to say yes I enjoy I'm, it I'm with you right there with both of those <laughs> it's weird I wouldn't have thought that but yeah as you said like you know you have to describe the castle because obviously everyone's vision of castle is different I'm from the UK we have real castles we yes. visit them all the time they're you know you get some that are like huge that are built into the mountains and some that are like popped on top of a hill and you have this very specific idea of what castles look like and then you go to Europe and they've got slightly different ones and then obviously if you go to America they've got like the Disney castle which is all spires yes. <laughs> so obviously people will see if you know you use the word castle and you don't realize do you because obviously your own personal experience your own personal environment will define those sorts of things so if you say oh yes 
this is a castle. I would like, oh, right. Well, it's got huge, massive stones and portcullis and massive moats. And you might not have meant that at all. Yeah, you're like, no, actually, <laughs> something daintier. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's all white and, and blue and, and like sparkly bits. And then like, yeah, it's very delicate and looking. And it's like, no, no, it's dark stone and huge <laughs> currents and everything. <laughs> That's what I had to learn. That's what I had to say. Well, this is what I meant to say. And, but I understand that world building is a big part of fantasy. And it was funny that it was so hard for me to learn because that was one of the things I enjoyed immersing myself in a story. You say, we're in this other world. They have purple trees. They have talking donkeys, whatever it is, but you have to describe all of that. And that is, I think, almost essential mm. to fan, even when it's urban fantasy and it takes place in one of my stories takes place in Scotland, but there are plenty of people who haven't seen Scotland. <laughs> so yeah. I have to describe the area, not to mention the fantastical parts that I've added in. So it's what really defines fantasy, yes. even if it isn't my top. My top is still the magical system. I think thinking of magical systems is is a treat. It makes me feel godlike. <laughs> yes, yes. And you, I proclaim that you shall have the firepower. It's like, what? <laughs> what and what other, what other profession do you get to do that? Just say, you, you shall be my marksman and you shall only throw water darts. It's like, what? Yeah. No one else gets to do that except for us. <laughs> true, true. And you can strip it away as well. It's like, you know what? You're not allowed <laughs> to have that anymore. You're a bad character. We don't like you. It's gone. That's it. Gone. Exactly. It's very Dungeons and Dragonsy. I love that. <laughs> okay, so how do you decide on what elements of the story are going to be the fantastical? Because I know obviously you get some fantasies where everything is fantastical, and then you get others, even when you know whether it's urban fantasy like you've talked about, or what I call traditional fantasy, where you know you've got like maybe dragons and everything. How do you decide? Okay, this is the element that's going to be the most fantastical. The stories tend to imply where it is they want to go with the fantasy. With my main series, it was based on, or is, I'm not done with it yet, is based on Mother Goose nursery rhymes. So it was implied. A cow jumping over the moon is clearly fantastical, but we have to have a reason for that to happen. So I had to invent an entire story around the cat who comes with the fiddle and how he's really trying to take over the world and his fiddle can control minds. It's it's a whole process. But really, I always start with plot. So since I start with plot, the plot always tells me, these are the things that need to be fantasy. And I think that there are some stories that go a little too far with it. So there's nothing to grab onto. And I like to make sure that there's still parts that seem real because then your your reader feels as though they're floating in this world that you've created and you see it perfectly in your mind. But there are only so many words in the English language that you can use to describe it. And they say, nope, nope, not there. Don't know where I am. You need to give me something. So for me, the fantastical part is the easy. The hard part is making sure that there are still things based in reality that someone can grab onto and say, okay, I just finished reading a book where I loved the book, but there were parts where I felt so at sea because everything was made of everything. The language, the people, the places, even the tools that they were using nothing sounded and then they would use terms that almost sounded scientific so it was even more at sea I was like I like science but this is a lot so elements I usually try and balance it against the fantastical and the reality if that makes any sense that totally does I have to say I, I'm exactly the same it's like yes fantastical is awesome but it needs to be anchored with realism yeah. And sometimes I think there are some authors, especially young authors, feel that they have to go all out with the fantastical. And yes. what, what you said about being like lost at sea with it, that is so accurate. You just kind of like, it's almost like you don't have the foundation to lay it on. So you're like, I, I don't know what's going on. I can't even picture it because it's so beyond where I am. As we said, even with something as simple as Castle, without the description, we all see something different. So imagine something so fantastical that it's not even based in reality and hoping that the reader sees it the same way the writers are. It's got no chance. Yeah, and then you're lost. And then at some point in the story, they'll change a little thing. And then the picture that you had is completely gone. It says, well, now I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and then you feel like you've invested in this story. It's like, nope, I'm, I can't. I don't know where I am. I am so lost. Yeah. I need a map, please. <laughs> 
something, something to hold on to. I always think about uh, Star Trek. I'm a big Trekkie. <gasps> yes. I love Star Trek. So my favorite is Star Trek Next Generation. Yes. And they always do this thing where they'll start talking about something mundane to them, but to us sounds amazing. They'll say like a Carpathian Ridgeback or a Carpathian cat. But you know what a cat is? Yes. So you can fill in cat. Carpathian, you'll just, you'll fill that in as you go along. You'll assume things. You can let your mind wander. But if you hadn't said cat, I have no idea what a Carpathian is other than an ancient person from, I think, Mesopotamia? I don't know. Carpathians? I think they actually exist. Yeah, the mountains. Carpathian mountains. So that's all I would think of. Like, mountains? Talking about a mountain? No, they're talking about a cat. So that's always my touchstone. I always feel like I know what's going on. Even if I don't understand all of the science, I know exactly what's going on in Star Trek every single time because they always find one word that says, oh, it's a cat. Oh, that's a door. Oh, that's a type of liquor. You know, I need that. So that's how yeah. I look at it. That's actually really interesting. I remember reading a fantasy series. I didn't like it. <laughs> I'll put it right out there. I didn't like it. And one of the things that annoyed me, while there was a lot of realism in like maybe the hierarchy or like the way the economy was working for the people, the author went out of their way to use odd words to describe horse, rat, dog. And it, no. it wasn't, it literally, they just did, they physically described, you know, this large four-legged beast you know, with short ears and a, like a, a mane and a tail that was ridden. And it's like, that's just sounds, that's a horse. You haven't added anything that makes it sound like it's, it's not even like a green horse or, or you know, an eight-legged horse or, or a horse with a giraffe head. There was nothing that made it sound anything other than a horse, but they, they just kept going. It's this whatever word. And the same with rat. But then it meant that there was like four paragraphs describing what a rat was when they could have just said rat. Even if they're thrown like Carpathian in front of it, you know? And it's just like, did I really need four paragraphs explaining that it was a rat? You know, this little creature no. with small fingery hands and a long, like, hairless tail and long, sharp, pointy teeth at the front. And it was nibbling things and it ran around in hordes and left disease. And it's like, rat. That's what you meant, it's right? A rat. rat. You know? <laughs> it's a rat. It just, it just kept pulling me out of the story because I get so annoyed right. that they wouldn't just yes. say, they yes, on the that's horse. What it is. You get annoyed and you're like, I don't want to feel this way when I'm reading a book. You're supposed to be relaxing me. Even if I know that something's about to happen to the main character, I still feel relaxed. Like I, I trust this author to get me to this place. I'll go from beginning, middle to end. I'll be interested. But if I'm getting annoyed or frustrated with the story, I have to stop. It's like, no, this isn't the... If I wanted that, I'd, I'd read the news. No, I will not continue. I refuse. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a break in the in the movie in your head that creates as you read in a book, and you just like it's it's someone imaginally just constantly pausing and stopping a movie. You just yeah. lose the flow, and you're just like, you know what? I'm not interested anymore. It's gonna go somewhere else. <laughs> it's gone. My time is too precious. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, so with that said then, how do you go around building a good fantasy setting? So let's talk a bit more about the world building. Very slowly. <laughs> um, no, I try and build worlds that I want to either visit or live in. So I guess that means I'll never write a dystopian. <laughs> we'll see. I don't think so. Mostly the way I write is I write a first draft. And what I learned a long time ago is just, just write your story. Don't worry about word choice. Don't worry about it actually shows up 17 times on the same page. Just write your story, get it out. Don't think about it. I love first drafting. I think it's the best part. Then I go back and I edit. And that's when I say, oh my God, what did I say? And that's when I start thinking about how do I build a setting around this? And I always start with my plot. What would best help my plot or anchor my plot for fantasy and I was doing Mother Goose, I said, well, this obviously has to be a completely fantastical setting. I don't want this to take place in like New York because that wouldn't make any sense. So I sat down with, there's a list out there of everything that creates a society, language, people, I've seen it on your website. And it's great. And I, I so admire people who can sit down and just write the whole thing first. I can't do that. I have to write the story. <laughs> and as I write the story, usually that's when it starts to insinuate itself. It says, okay, well, these people all came from one place. For mine, it was they all came over from Spain. So obviously there are going to be some words in their language that are Spanish as opposed to English. And they'll have to understand that. Or I understand that there are going to be people who come from other places also in Europe. So it's going to be also Latin based. 
romance languages and whatnot. So language is usually good for me. Um, when I start to think about where a place looks like, I have to admit, I tend to stay a little more mundane. Like it'll just be a regular road, but then I'll say, but the road is pink just because I feel like it. Because <laughs> again, the God my qualities. But I build it as I'm writing each edition because I think I go through about eight to 10 revisions. And this is before I even send it off to my editor. Wow. So through each revision, I end up, it's like clay, I guess, you know, you, you build something with clay and every time you take off a little piece here, a little piece there, you add something because something fell off. That should be a nose. Well, no, maybe it doesn't have a nose. <laughs> you take that off. It's, that's how I build. I build little by little with each edition. I figure out what the fancy setting should be. Because I've tried the other way of making the fantasy first, the setting first. And I've put so much work into the work of building this place. And I'm like, well, now I'm done. Now I have a game. I don't know. I have like a video game now. I don't know if I have a story, but I have a video game. <laughs> Maybe that works for me. I don't know. Um, but that's, that's essentially how I build my fantasy settings. Each iteration. I kind of like that. I have to admit, I am one of those annoying people that when I start building the world, it's like, okay, what is the currency? Who rules this world? And I will just start the world book and I'll just be filling pages and pages. But even with all that, even with working out the transport, working out the economy, working out hierarchies within the royal families, hierarchies within the governing bodies and all this really, really boring stuff that you have to then work into the story, <laughs> there's always something that you forget. And then as you're writing, as you said, you're like, oh, damn, I didn't figure out this. I didn't figure out that. Right. And then you're having to like, I'm forever opening the world book at the same time. I'm like, oh, I've just had another idea. I better add that in so I remember for the next book, you know, because otherwise I'm going to have to read the whole manuscript of book one to remember what I thought for ready for book two. <laughs> so, so even then I can understand the idea of doing it as you write and as, as you go through each edit, you're like, ah, need to add some more things in, don't like that, changing it. So yeah, maybe I need to do that more. Maybe I need to stop being so rigid with the, with the world building at the very beginning. I think, I think it's amazing that people can actually do that first. And frankly, I kind of wish I did for my series because I am constantly having to go back to book one and book two and read through it again. It's like, wait, were they supposed to have water here? Or was that <laughs> supposed to be ice? Like, I don't remember. And I have to go back and I have to read because I know... Even though I'm not as big as, say, I don't know, Rowling or Sanderson or one of those people who are, there are always those people online who's like, well, actually, he said in chapter two of page five that this should be this, that, the other, and then they changed it for the, please stop. Just read the story. <laughs> please read the story. But I know that that annoys people, so I was like, I have to go back and read and make sure that this jives with everything else that I've written before and will continue to do so afterwards. So sometimes yeah. I wish I could do that. I can't. <laughs> I lose interest in the story. I yeah. build a world and I'm like, I don't care about the story anymore. Like, I built a world. Isn't that enough? <laughs> I built a world. <laughs> enough. I think it's actually just a form of procrastination for me. It's just like, <laughs> the plot is very intense and I have so many characters. And it's like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend more time on my world book. I'm going to build everything. <laughs> we need to know more about the rats. Yes, they need a special name. <laughs> it's really hard to figure out for no reason. You know, let's rename rats, damn it. Let's do it now. <laughs> All of my plants need the Latin name. I've just decided, but it won't be Latin because oh it's fantasy, so it will have to be another word, and I'll have to have a whole yeah, I have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I really do. I love it because I'm the kind of person I'm a historian by training. Oh, excellent. so I love knowing the nitty-gritty of everything. But then when it comes to me doing it, I'm like, I don't wanna. Don't make me someone, like someone else can do that part, right? Like, I don't want to, I like learning about it. I don't want to create that. And then once I've created, I'm like, okay, and now I'm done. Yeah. That's it. Because I love prologues. I love epilogues. I love backstory. People are always like, don't, you know, info dump. I know, and I don't info dump, but I love a good info dump sometimes. <laughs> like, I just want to know everything about you. Just please, everything about your world, about the way you cook a, a meal. I want to know it all, but actually sitting down and writing it all out and what no 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 I should get on that <laughs> I have to admit I, I love prologues and epilogues I know there's a lot of crappy advice in my eyes personal opinion people about like oh don't write prologues you shouldn't need a prologue you shouldn't need an epilogue piss off That's I like fun. it yeah exactly. yes they're having fun <laughs> 
And I don't mind. I, I mean, the info dump, I know it's wrong. And I, as you said, I don't do it either. And I don't like it if other people do it too much. But at the same time, right. there is a little guilty pleasure if they put it at the front. Like I've read books where it's not the prologue. It's almost like a, a quick history lesson to get you up to yeah. speed because of how the world is. And I know you're not meant to do that, but honestly, there's been a few where it's just been a one page and I have loved it. <laughs> I've really loved it. I love those. I'm 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 the geek who used to go out and buy like whatever the companion book was. Yes. Yes. Because I wanted a dictionary that was related to this world. <laughs> Look up the glossary terms. I love that. I'm sorry. That is that is definitely like, uh, that is my thing. That's my jam. I love a little bit of that. Yes. The thing is, I mean, we, we've talked about that on this channel with Guardian Marketing, where we, we did an episode about building a world book, because that's what I do. And I know people are always like, oh, it's so much time and effort and everything. But I've always had it in the back of my head. It's another marketing tool. Because when this series finally gets written, gets published, and you know, does its thing, that world book is going to get a good old tidy up. And that's going out too, either as a special as bonus a yes. or as a companion. You know, so it's like a little thing. Because you know what? I know there are people out there like me, like you, who would want that. Yes, absolutely. You see, I didn't even think about that. Marketing, good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like you could do like a little history book. You could talk about like you could literally do a book uh, with a character as a historian telling the reader all about the history. That is an excellent idea. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so going to do that. <laughs> so Sorry, amazing. I'm stealing it. I'm doing do it. that. <laughs> as soon as she said historian, I thought, that's a great one. Do it. Seriously. It's just, yes. Especially when you realize how much you write that gets cut, that gets you know chopped and changed all the world building and you know you know you might pull this whole thing about where the world is and how the backstory is and how this huge cataclysm happened and then in the actual book there's maybe a paragraph and you're thinking that hurts sometimes all this information (laughs) that hurts sometimes yeah it's like because nobody wants to read that i was like but i would yeah i would read that that's it there's always someone there is always someone who will read it and whether it, you give it away as like a special giveaway or if you give it to like your top 10 fans who are like, like, oh my God, I need this. Or whether you just make it a book <laughs> and it's part of like a little compendium. I don't care. But like in the end, someone will want it because I said we want them. And it's yes. like, it's a little bit extra. It's good marketing. Yeah, seriously. I love it. I love it completely. And isn't that the, the goal of every fantasy writer? You want to make the world that is so amazing and so immersive that other people actually start living in it in the real world. Yes, yes. That's what you want. You want to become a subculture. <laughs> that is the goal. I want to become a subculture. I want to create one. You want to see people uh, cosplaying as your characters. Exactly. That's what I want. I want to make a subculture on this society. It's like nice. <laughs> Oh, I love it. This is starting to sound more and more mega maniacal. It's a little <laughs> I don't think you can get any more megamaniacal than the whole God thing that you were saying. So yes, yeah, <laughs> right at the top. Very ambitious. I started from there. That was already a <laughs> that was already a clue. <laughs> I think that's why why people love writing and reading fantasy. It's like you do get to full God mode with the whole yes. thing. I mean, I do, I do write urban fantasy where I've kind of, you get like either a real place or somewhere that looks like a real place and then you just kind of layer it with a different name, <laughs> change it a little right. bit. Or the alternative history ones, I do actually like them. But yeah, there's something about real fantasy where it's just like, I shouldn't say real, don't want to offend anyone who writes other types of fantasy. I don't want to say like, I, like this is the real fantasy. Yeah, I've got but, it. <laughs> but we know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I know the truth. <laughs> the one where you can like really like get in deep to like the roots of it you know you create the divinity of it and everything like the you know the beginning of the world the end of the world beautiful <laughs> i love it we're all control freaks at heart let's be honest yes 100 100 percent agree with that <laughs> so what advice would you give to writers wanting to write fantasy who haven't tried it yet i would say that keep in mind fantasy is a marketing tool it just tells you where you're going to put a book on a shelf in a store. You have to think about a story as just a story people want to read that has complex characters, relatable plots, dynamic writing, something that's not boring. That's the main goal of any writer, I think. It doesn't matter what genre you're writing in. You just want to make sure you write something that people can relate to, care about, and want to come back to at least one or two times more if you're really good. 
And then because it's fantasy, you can throw in a talking dragon or, you know, a witch with a destiny and just, yay, you know, I think that's what gives us more autonomy over our, our craft because we can create anything. So as long as we can make it plausible and relatable, people will buy it. People will say, yes, I want to visit this world. Yes, I want to know these people. Yes, I want to know what the plot line is. But that's all it is. It's fantasy is writing a detective story. It's writing a romance novel. It's writing anything. It's just make it a good story and write what you want to read. Because that's what works for me. I wrote what I wanted to read. I didn't see it anywhere. And I said, I'm going to write it because it has to be somewhere. And if it's not, it's because I haven't gotten to it yet. So here I am. And I got it. So (laughs) that and... The best marketing for your book is to write another book. Just keep writing. That I learned from another indie writer. Her name is Elizabeth Hunter. And she writes books that are amazing. And admittedly, she's one of those people who can put out like three or four books a year, which God bless her. I can do maybe one. It's like, (laughs) "Mm." and then it's like, uh, I had to like scooch it in there. But then the best marketing for your book is to write another book because then you just start building your, your fan base. You start building your readership. Because that's all they want to know. I know as a reader, I want to know that if I'm investing in your book, there will be another book. Not necessarily a trilogy or a series or anything, but that this isn't just a one-off for you. That this wasn't just a, oh, I thought I'd write a book today, and now I'm going to go become an astronaut. It's like, no, you have to, (laughs) you said you're writing a book. You have to write another book. Keep going. (laughs) Don't, don't do that. That's rude and mean. So, that's all. That's my best advice. Keep writing. To be fair, they're up there floating around in space. They've got plenty of time to be writing another book. Even if they're an exactly. Get a pen. Grab a pencil. Go. <laughs> Do something. Yeah, they got those pencils that write in space. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the best thing I could think of. Yeah, no, no, that is that is it. And as you said, like having that kind of catalogue of books behind you. And I have to say, there's an author I follow who she puts out loads of books. I think the um I think they're not always full size, maybe the novellas or medium sized right. books. They're not like the big tomes that you get, you know, you can like, kill someone with this or heavy. <laughs> but, not Entertainment that, and weapon. Yay. So <laughs> yeah. why we have them, the self defense weapon. Why we, why we need so many of them. But yeah, it's, it's like, but at the same time, yeah, they can, you know, they can churn them out so quick, uh, which makes me feel bad because, you know, it's still not happening with me because I can't seem to get my ass in the chair enough to finish the goddamn story but that's a whole <laughs> other issue <laughs> we're all there we all end up there at one point or another it's like I could finish a book or I could play Animal Crossing again yeah I think I'm gonna go play Animal Crossing or Zelda Zelda needs to save the world right yeah, yeah. I can this will give me ideas for my oh, story that, that's why I'm always watching movies it's like and I'm inspiring myself like I need any more freaking ideas I've already added two more <laughs> from yesterday into my phone and it's like I have enough to keep me going until I'm about 90 and I don't have that many more years if I keep doing this it's like I'm gonna go oh on my deathbed I have so many ideas that I haven't even written yet so I have a notebook full of like just little outlines of stories like I've got a career or maybe two in here I need to get on with it it's time you're busy reading other people's books to support them as authors that's what it is yes and that's important pay it forward Yes. Although I guess it's not forward if you haven't done it. <laughs> it's almost forward. It's 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 pre-forward. Yes. I'm actually just gonna throw something in that I just it's just come to me about fantasy writing. Something that I have seen a few times is where people are like, Well, I had an idea and I decided not to write it because insert topic has been done to death. Insert topic as not trending anymore. And it's like, I oh. hate that crap. Because yeah, that's mm-mm. It's just, it's no. like, it doesn't matter if there's a million and one books about fairies. It doesn't matter if there's a million and one books about vampires. I still write about vampires. Freaking love it. Still love the, love the stories. And I will continue to do that. Exactly. No, there is no, no. If it's a good story, who cares if it's been written before and it'll be written again? I, I, I don't think, I think in reality, there are like five stories out in the world. Five yeah. of them. <laughs> and we just embellish them all. That's it. That's all we do. There are five stories and we just, Think of new ways we throw in a witch, we throw in, I don't know, a, a serial killer, whatever it is, and then we're done. But 
I don't think there's such a thing as a shelf life on a story. No, no. I mean, there's there only, are, is yeah. it good or is it bad? Yes, yes. And I know you get some people like they'll say, "Oh, all the fairy tale retellings have been done to death." It's like, okay, that person isn't your target audience. I still exactly. like reading fairy tale retellings, and even okay. if I drift off and go back to sci-fi for a bit, I will still come back round and read fairy tale retellings. There's somebody who wants to read it, you know. So yeah. yeah. I don't know how many different retellings I've read of the King Arthur mythology. Ooh, Tons. I haven't read for any a year. Of that. That's all I read. I read all different kinds of King Arthur mythology: feminist point of view, no magic point of view. That one was a little sad. Like, no magic. What? <laughs> Seriously? But, I mean, it was, it was really good writing, but it was just a little sad. I was like, I want magic. <laughs> <laughs> I've read it in prose. I've read it in in verse. I've done. I did a whole year of just King Arthur stuff, and I still want to read more King Arthur. Still, wow. same thing with Jane Austen. I don't know how many Pride and Prejudice retellings I've read. Some of them have been really bad. Yep. Some of them have been amazing. I'll keep reading them, yep. and I will still continue to read Pride and Prejudice, and I will still watch Pride and Prejudice, and only the ninety five version because yes, because Colin Firth is the only. Mr. Darcy in the world. I haven't seen that one. I saw the other <gasps> one with Kira Knightley. Although I will, no. be, I will be truly honest. My favorite that I can watch forever is the zombie one. I just freaking love it. Really, I love it. I haven't done that one because I'm not big on scary. Don't know why. I can probably watch it. I can't read scary because then I won't take a shower for a week. <laughs> but I can watch a little. I don't know. I read the book, the zombie book, and it stayed very similar to the actual Pride and Prejudice book, but with obviously zombies and fighting, which was just awesome. I just loved it. And the movie obviously completely just butchers the end and changes it because they always do. They don't like that kind of la 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 la. But I I love it. And I'm not a big horror person. My partner loves horror. So what he does is he watches horror and then he tells me whether or not he thinks I will like it enough and usually then tells me when the scary part is Oh, that's nice. I like that. Yeah, because he knows my level. There's certain movies I can watch. I'm not a big fan of jump scares. I'm not a big fan of where Mm -hmm. there's like this kind of the tension builds and you know something's coming that's going to be horrible. I don't like that because it just sets my anxiety off. So he watches and then he's like, you'll like this. There's a few bits, but I'll tell you when they're about to happen. And then it's like, I'm going (laughs) to look away and look back. (laughs) And I have have no problems looking away from a movie. I was like, I'm sorry. I know I'm over 40, but no, I don't watch that. I'm sorry. I don't. I can't. I can't. No, because I need to sleep. I need to sleep. I need to take showers. Yes. And with those two things taken out of my life, it gets kind of bad. It gets, it gets, it gets bleak. (laughs) yes no no I I get that because I I think especially because with writers we're so like heavy in our imagination and that stuff just stays it just like embeds itself it's like hey 3am here's that scary nun from the uh is it the conjuring too there you go it's like I don't need that yes I don't need those moments I'm sorry I don't need those moments (laughs) mine is mostly in the shower because I'm upstairs no one's home I won't take a shower by myself it's like I have to wait for people to come home my husband has to come home it's like I'll take a shower when you get back why? I was like, because I don't know. I don't, the dog will start barking. I'll assume somebody's in the house. I'm done. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Not happened. <laughs> so I know that was a bit of a tangent, but, <laughs> but yes, I think that you can write about a topic many times. Yep. As you said, if you need to read, if, you, if it's something you want to read, write it. It shouldn't matter if it's been done before. It shouldn't matter if it's a, tra- a topic that's suddenly not on trend. And I know there's been recently where a lot of publishers have only been really interested in YA stories and they've kind of been pushing back yes. on others. And so people are like, well, I want to be traditionally published, but everyone's publishing YA. So maybe I'll write YA. It's like, do you want to write YA? If not, don't. Write something you really want to. It doesn't matter if they're not interested right now. Somebody else will be. Yeah, this isn't a sprint. This is a marathon. This is like an entire career. So put it in the drawer. I felt the same way when I first shopped around my book and everyone kept telling me, I was like, oh, it's a YA book. It's a YA book. I was like, it's not a YA book. And they kept trying to convince me. I said, okay, fine. I will retailer it to become a YA book. And I did. And I read it and I hated it. Like, this doesn't feel natural to me. So I actually rewrote my first book, I think four times before I finally settled on this is what it's going to be about. And these are the people who it's going to be about. And if people want YA, well, they'll just have to wait. I guess I'll have to wait for them to be interested again. But in the meantime, I'm just going to keep writing my books. And that's what I did. I ended up writing the entire series, all four books. And then I was able to go back and say, okay, now I can go and polish them because I have that kind of time, which worked out in my favor, sort of. Now I'm on book three of four. Yeah. 
That's brilliant. The idea of having written all four. I need to pick your brains about that. That's what I need to do. <laughs> it's the only way with the series, I find, because if you stop and then go on to something else, you forget everything. I know I did. It's like, oh, what happens now? So I, I just like, I'm just going to write the series and then I'll go back and I'll edit the series. Now the problem is I've written all four and now I have to go back and edit all four. You have to go back to the beginning and say, oh my God, does this still drive with what's going on in book four and then book one and book? So everything has a down. <laughs> there are good things about writing all four at one time. And I'm glad I did it because it was the first time I tried to do a series. And I was like, yes, just do it all. But now I look back at it. It's like, I should have taken a little more time. I should have taken my time. Because then maybe I wouldn't be in editing hell for <laughs> a year. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine that. A year of editing hell. And I, I, I know that everyone says that writing is really rewriting. I don't love the rewriting part. <laughs> no. I don't. I don't love the part that I do. I'm okay with sending it off to my editor and then she gives me notes like, oh, thank you. Somebody else tells me what's wrong. It's fine. It's so much easier because I can't. <laughs> Sometimes you don't see the forest for the trees Yeah. because you've been with it so long. Yep. It makes no sense to you. And people say, why is there a fairy? What do you mean, why is there a fairy? Well, you just introduced a fairy. I did? <laughs> oh, because that's where a fairy belongs. Are you sure? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. What's wrong with the fairy? <laughs> And then go back. I was like, oh, thank you. See, I didn't see that because I have this own telegraphic language in my head and I can just put stuff down and assume that people know where I'm going. Yeah. They don't always know. I'm, I'm glad that people care enough to like, let me know. And I have been lucky. I've had friends and family who have been beta readers. And then I've had people who I met through writing workshops and things like that, who have been willing to exchange chapters with me. And that was my best time. And sadly, a lot of those people have fallen off because you start to find as you write and write and write that there are some people who definitely look at this as, and I don't want to say this derisively, but it sounds like a hobby. Mm. It's like, oh, I'd like to write a book today. It's like, first of all, it's not today. <laughs> it's years. <laughs> it's years, sweetie. <laughs> this takes a long time. And then when you want to go back to them, it's like, hey, you know, can you look at this? Like, oh, I moved on from that. Now I'm into ice skating. It's like, are you? Okay, <laughs> good for you. It's great. But now I'm stuck because you promised to look at my chapters and now you're not looking at my chapters anymore. So yeah. who am I supposed to talk to? Yeah. Especially if you write in like a series because you, you have to hope that you can get someone who is willing to read through all of it. Be yes. Because you kind of do need someone who's been there through all the books. Yes. You know, rather than just like, I mean, you can get the odd person reading the end, but it's not the same because all the big one is, well, why did that happen? Like, but if you don't read book two, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Like the person who comes in halfway through the movie, why did that happen? You should have been here for the first part. I yeah. don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I'm lucky enough that my husband, although he is not a reader, he reads all of my stuff. It's kind of funny. I always say to him, you write surprisingly good line notes. And he says, wow, I'm literate. You know, <laughs> it's not that I think you're illiterate. It's just that he is not the type that would sit down and read a book just because. I'm fine with, he's read books because I've given them to him. It's like, hey, I read this book. I think you'd like it. And then he sits down and he reads. He's like, oh yeah, it was a good book. But he doesn't go looking for books. Yeah. I give him books, he reads them. He's like, this is good. I've been lucky enough that he looks at every single book and says, hey, this is missing. And I was like, oh my God. He was the one who told me I needed a map. A map. He says, I don't know how you're getting places. It's like, well, there's a mirror system. He says, yeah, but I don't know where anything is. And I said, how can you not know where anything is? I told you where to go. He's like, no, but I need to, I, I need to visualize how far this is. For all I know, it's two minutes away. Maybe it's 45 minutes away. I don't know. And I said, oh my God, I need a map. <laughs> he says, yeah, I need a map. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. So those are the things, the forest for the trees thing. I was like, I just thought it would be enough for you to know that it, I went from one place to another place. And I got there through a mirror. It's like, yeah, that's cute. But how long did it take? <laughs> I don't know. He says, you should know that. <laughs> I said, you know, I should know that. <laughs> See, there's always someone who has to come up with the weird questions and you're thinking, wish you hadn't asked that. Didn't need to figure that out. But yeah, <laughs> that's why we do we do like maps, especially because there are a lot of visual people who need to yes. see the layout and everything. So yeah, that's another yeah. another point, people. get If you're a fancy writer, we've talked about it before, just put maps in. I don't care if you don't like it, yeah. put maps in. Put in a map. Maps are great. It's fun to make a map. I learned how to make a map because of it. I got this really great book about how to build your own fantasy maps. There was one day you just take a handful of, mac of dried macaroni and drop it down onto a piece of paper, and then you outline wherever it fell. And then that is your landmass. Ooh, I like the idea of that. And then if it's like of like fallen further away, they're like islands and that. Exactly. <gasps> or you can make them into lakes if they fall in the middle and just like Ooh. it's the whole thing. It's like, I love that. So I whenever I have to make a map, I just 
grab a bunch of macaroni and throw it down a piece of paper. It's like, <laughs> it's like I'm reading the bones. It's like, ooh, just that, what yeah. will the shaman tell me? <laughs> Maybe that should be in one of your books, the magical casting of macaroni. It's like, da 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 I think it's going to be the next one. <laughs> Today we will have penne. <laughs> But that was that was my favorite thing to do because I think that's why everyone people who write fantasy I think that's why we like it because you get to play as an adult. Yes, there are yes. so few opportunities. I mean, you have to apologize if you're into watching like Star Trek or things like that. You have to tell people it's like I'm a gamer, but you know I'm not a gamer, but you are, or you like board games, and people always kind of look at you like really. But with fantasy, when you write a book, you're like, oh my god, that's so awesome. It's like you know what's awesome about it? I got to play. Yes. Macaroni, <laughs> just cut. macaroni colored pens. Oh my god, yes, pens, buying notebooks for everything. I love it. Fantasy is amazing. <laughs> it really is. I just, it's like playing. That is so true. That is so true. I mean, I'm all, I'm I'm forty now. Oh my god, actually, no, I'm forty one. <laughs> I just oh went up. Oh my god, I totally forgot my own age. That's what happens when you go past forty. And I still watch cartoons. I will still watch cartoons yeah. because that is so much more fun than most of the crap that's on TV these days. And I love board games all the time. And you do get people like, if you say that you like Star Trek, if you say you like cartoons, they sort of give you that look. And it's like, I screw you. I don't care. I really enjoy it. And in the end, life should be something that you enjoy. Yes. There's enough to be, you know, down about and oh my God, and the news and this is happening. And uh, I need a place where I can go and just say, this I control and this I can have fun with yeah. and just be goofy. Yes. And I love that because yeah. there are very few times when people don't give you kind of, you know, the fish eye when you, you're goofy in real life. <laughs> what are you doing? It's like, I'm skipping. What? <laughs> I'm not I for exercise. Like no. <laughs> it's like, because I wanted to. What? <laughs> but now I can say things like, I have to know how long it takes to skip from one end to another because my protagonist likes to skip everywhere. Yeah. Like, oh, that's interesting. You're doing research. Yes, research. <laughs> so, uh, the many things it's like you use for research. We need to know how high you can jump on a bouncy castle. It's just important for the story, people. <laughs> so important. Vital information. <laughs> I have a notebook full of these kinds of informational ideas. You don't know. People are going to ask us. We need to have the answer. <laughs> Oh, we'll be in a podcast and people will be like, how come they bounce? Like, oh, let me explain to you the bouncy <laughs> properties of a castle. This is how it works. <laughs> oh my God, this has been so much fun. Okay, I, I don't have any more questions, so I'm going to wrap it up. Evia, it has been absolutely great having you on the show. I've had so much fun. Would you like to share a little bit about yourself with our listeners, please? I think I've shared a lot. <laughs> more than I should have. My third book in my Enchanted Path series is coming out. The first one was A Smuggler's Path. The second one was A Noble's Path. This one's called A Rebel's Path. I have an unrelated novella coming out hopefully at the end of next year, which is related to my first novella called The Cemetery Circle, which is an urban fantasy based in Scotland, which is exciting. It's about I went on a trip to Scotland one year with my husband and we were in Edinburgh and there was a ring of houses and in the ring you thought there was going to be like courtyard. It was a cemetery. And I thought to myself, who lives here? Who would choose to live here? This is insane. This would keep me up nights. So that became an entire story, which was great. And I have hobbies. My hobbies are all related to my writing, essentially. I've been practicing calligraphy to questionable results and letter illumination, which I love. And I collect words, which sounds really weird and geeky, but I love collecting words. Right. In jars? <laughs> <laughs> I love how, I love how words work and how they go in and out of fashion. Mm. And after a while, we become a little too barren in our, our vocabulary. We use the same words over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And every so often, it's nice to discover that there is a particular word that is related to something that you do every day, but you describe with the same words all the time. It's like, oh, there's another word for this. Oh, right. Okay. Which I love. I even bought a book that's called Word Museum. And it has all these words that we used to use and we don't use anymore, which to me always sounds like, what do we mean we used to use them? Why don't we use them anymore? And it's like, because people didn't have to. And it always worries me, like when I look at my daughter using her, her phone and everything is an acronym or just an emoji. Mm -hmm. I think to myself, how are you guys going to communicate? I mean, I remember getting notes from boys in school. She'll never get a note from a boy in school because he'll just text her, hey. <laughs> hey, in yeah, a winky yeah. face, that's it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, 
Guys, there's something to be said about the English language, about all languages. I collect languages in English and Spanish and Italian. I know some German because of my husband. So, and I had to learn German for my master's, but but don't ask me anything in German. (laughs) Three words in Japanese because of Big Bird. So that, but I love words. Words are amazing. It's amazing that we have this ability to communicate with each other and we all agree on what the definitions are and what they represent. And that's why I collect words. <laughs> and they take up no space. No, that is very true. That is very true. Unlike my books, which take <laughs> a lot of space. Well, I have to say, nobody has ever mentioned that hobby to us before on this podcast. So that is a very unique point specific to you I believe but I think that is absolutely awesome and I know no if I'm struggling for a word I'm coming straight to you no more thesaurus (laughs) none of that straight to you that is my favorite book in the world my thesaurus is this big I love it I love my thesaurus it was my best purchase and it was expensive and ridiculous and I was like I don't care I want it and I got it and I was so happy (laughs) it's my favorite book sometimes I just open it I was like that's a word I don't use enough I need to use it more (laughs) Like idyll. Idyll is my current favorite. I always knew idyll, but I never thought about it until I started seeing it pop up in places like, why don't we use idyll anymore? We should. It's a beautiful word. It looks vaguely Welsh. I love it. It's a good word. So have you used it in your novel? I have. See, this is the other reason. That's how it works. You you pick up these words and you're like, I have to find a reason to use this. Sometimes I build a story just around a word, just like short stories. I don't publish those or anything, but that'll be a way that I try and get out of like a writing rut. It's like, I can't think of anything. So I'll just open up my little word museum and I'll pick up a word. I'm like, oh, that's a good word. And then I'll just create a story around that word. That's a cool, that's a very cool prompt. It's a good way, like a a writing prompt. Yeah. (laughs) It's called bibliomancy. Ooh. Oh. Yes, another word. <laughs> that is brilliant. I think we might have to include details about the Word Museum book in the description. And obviously all of Evia's links to her books, to her website, social media and everything will be in the description below. So yeah, make sure you check them out and have a go, go and have a look at her website. She got some really great blog posts, have to say. Really great blog Thank posts. Thank you. Okay, now we'll turn it over to you guys. Do you write fantasy? If so, what are some tips that you have? We'd love to chat about it. So tell us your answers in the comments below. If you want more of the Merry Writer podcast, be sure to follow us on Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're kind of everywhere. And for as little as $1 a month, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Merry Writer podcast for bonus content. It helps to keep our little show going, so we really do appreciate it. In the meantime, tune in every Wednesday for a new episode of the Mayor Writer Podcast where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Scribble Notes. Our handwriting is awful. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.